The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Follow me on Facebook at GuidedWest11, on Instagram at GuidedWest, and on Twitter at LauraWest111. I also have a website at www.laurawest.net, where you can download a free guide on how to meet your own spirit guides. My book, Guided, is available on Amazon, and it's about soul teams, intuition, mediumship, and spiritual tools such as oracle and tarot cards, crystals, pendulums, and so much more. My guest today is Julie DeLuca Collins. She is the founder and CEO of Go Confidently Services, the host of the popular Casa de Confidence podcast, and her weekly radio show, Confident You, featured on a global talk radio network, which I got to be a guest on just recently. She's also a business and life strategist coach where she helps women business owners launch or grow their businesses, get clients, be productive, and achieve their dreams. Hi, Julie. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this all day long. I love talking to you before on my show, and thank you again for being a part of it. And I thought, oh, I can't wait to connect again. It'll be fun. (laughs) Oh, I know. And isn't it synchronistic that the week that we're recording on mine is the same week that my episode aired on your radio show? You know what? And we didn't plan it like that. It was just... That's how it came out. And because you probably would have come out either last week or the week before, but then the radio network said, hey, for the holidays, we're in a really tight schedule. So we want to do reruns. And I thought, you're going to do reruns? You can't do reruns. I have recordings. (laughs) And my husband's like, just let them do the reruns. It's fine. (laughs) And I thought, oh, okay. So it, it threw me off and I haven't even looked at the calendar because I know that I recorded and he had stuff to just put out and he didn't know that we were recording today. So that's just the universe working in its magic. Isn't it awesome? It's so wonderful. And when you are open to that, you can start to see those sorts of synchronicities in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's interesting how I think that we sometimes spend so much time focusing on, I want to say the minutiae that we don't notice the beauty, the colorfulness, the brightness, the 
adventure in life. And it is because we're kind of with our head down, kind of like wah, wah. But when we pick up our head and look around and notice it, it changes our perspective. And then it creates a whole new dynamic with how we show up in the world. Yes, it absolutely does. Now, speaking of showing up in the world, one thing that I didn't bring up in the intro, you can maybe share a bit more with us. You were a recipient of an award. Yes. Oh, you know, it's it's interesting because I have that on my bio and still to this day, I'm like, I don't even know how that happened. <laughs> but it was a gift. In essence, I was named one of 25 most powerful minority women in business by the Minority Enterprise Council in Washington, D.C. Mm. It wasn't yesterday or last year, but it was a few years ago, maybe six years ago. But my husband is so intent. You know, you got to put that on there. So good. You got that. And I'm like, okay. But, you know, it's interesting how I didn't apply for this. Someone who I collaborated with, who happened to work for a competitor of the company that I worked for. We had done some collaboration on a board of directors for a trade organization. And he's a phenomenal individual. And he put my name in and he said, listen, you have to hear him tell the story. He's like, you want something dynamic? This is your gal. <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, I'm dynamic. I love that. <laughs> Yay. But I thought, you know how you get phone calls and they're trying to sell you something. So when they, <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. I can yeah. When they called me to tell me that I had gotten this award, I'm like, and how much does this cost? <laughs> And they're like, no, it doesn't cost anything. We want to celebrate you. And I thought, oh, okay. And I went to DC for the to receive the order. This is, of course, pre-pandemic. And my mom was there. And I have to say, I sat in this room and I thought, wow, do I belong in this room? Because I think that sometimes we do our thing. We go on about our lives. Listen, to say that I haven't compared in despair would be a lie. It happens to all of us. Really, what I try to remember is, okay, good for her, not for me. Keep going. Keep your stay in your lane. But when I looked at all of the incredible individuals that I was there, I thought they made a mistake. But at the same time, I felt like, wow, this is sort of reassuring me that the investment of time, the investment of the nights maybe that I was traveling to do the work that I was doing, to grow the company that I was working with at the time, which was an educational company, was and well invested. And I was being recognized for some of the changes and sacrifices that maybe I personally had to make to be able to learn how to be a better person in marketing and business development and operations. So all of that really was exciting. And I allowed myself to feel proud in that moment. Although I did question like, oh man, am I in the right place? And they're going to find me out. Maybe this is not the place I belong. (laughs) I think that a lot of us can really to that. I know I can relate to that. I've been there before. A bit of imposter syndrome in 
any aspect or any sort of business or any genre. So I think that's pretty relatable, but I'm sure very well deserved. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. And it was, it was exciting to be there. And one of the things that I love is to learn the stories and probably this is why I have a podcast, right? To learn the stories of the other women that were there to find out, you know, what were their experiences and how did they get to where they are and what were some of the things that maybe helped them or that they really had to overcome to get there. And that was kind of neat. And I think that that experience really left me with that thought in, in the back of my mind that, hey, wouldn't it be neat? And this is, again, the theme of my podcast and the radio show. I want to normalize that we don't always have it together. And showing up is the thing that we can all do that allows us to get to where we want to be, despite the challenges, despite the things that don't go our way. And that's what I want people to know, that all of us who maybe are getting the awards or maybe showing up with something exciting, there's a story behind there. There's much more below the water that you're not seeing. So it's very important for us to share those stories. Yeah, I think that that's really incredible and important as well that we don't, first of all, compare, right? We don't compare because everybody's so different, but also to really understand that you have a radio show, you know, you have a podcast, you do all these great things, but it didn't always start that way. And, you know, it takes courage to still do things afraid, whether it's a fear of judgment or, you know, success or whatever the case may be. So with that said, Julie, can you take us back to where you were before you were all these amazing, well, I don't want to say were all these amazing things, but before who you are today, what set the scene and set the tone for Julie that's sitting in front of me right now? You know, I can go in a lot of different directions with this (laughs) because I think there's so many different things that contributed to who I am today. Someone actually asked, what are the three most defining moments in your life that led you here? So I'm going to use that for me. Number one was going through a divorce, divorcing my first husband. And he is a great guy, not the guy for me. I don't ever want to say that I shouldn't have married him because marrying him was a contributing factor to the person who I am today. And these things mold you. When I met him, I was 25. I had been very sheltered. All my friends, we all grew up in the church, youth group. We hung out together. We did everything together. And everybody started getting married at that time. I remember thinking, I don't know if marriage is for me, but I had also been engaged when I was very young. I was 19, almost 20. He had a motorcycle accident and was never the same. And so I was carrying a little bit of that trauma. So I didn't want to be in a relationship, but I did sort of because, again, the compare and despair. And when I met my ex-husband, he was different. He didn't belong to my group of friends. He had gone to law school with my roommate at the time. He traveled. I love to travel. My family's from New York. His family was from New York. So we had a lot of things in common that sort of made that attractive. And then I became 
enamored with the idea of the relationship. So, and I did. There's a part of me that will always love him because we grew up together. We traveled the world together. But that was a really defining moment for me, being in a relationship where I know that there were part of me in the back, like, mm, is this really it? But I didn't listen to that because I was comfortable with the relationship. And it meant that it would be uncomfortable to break up, to do something different. So that's one of the things that defined me. I married him after dated five years. We were together for 10. But of course, the relationship wasn't what you know you expected to be. And I knew this for many years, but I decided to then dive into my career. And this is when I started to climb the corporate ladder. This is when I started to just really go and become mm-hmm. the best yeah. in my field and grow, learn. I love business. I love being able to take what I know and then teach it to others. And I got to do that in my career because I worked in developing programming, teaching, trainings, etc. So that was a really fun adventure. And again, I kept climbing the corporate ladder. And along the way, in all of this, one of my biggest mentors in my life has been my dad from a very early age. He is the one who shared the quote by Henry David Thoreau, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. And he's like, honey, you can do anything you set your mind to. And it has always been that thing that I go back to, right? I go back to like really anchor into the moment in 2000 and tw- fast forward got divorced and that was you know again that that defining moment i left afraid didn't know what I was going to happen. I told myself a lot of lies and stories. You'll never make it. You'll be homeless. Mm. <laughs> Even though I had a great job, I was a successful person in my career, but I, I took that leap and then started to continue to build my career. My dad was always by my side. The second defining moment is after I remarried in 2012 and in 2014, my dad died. That really was a very difficult and again, life defining moment because here's my cheerleader. He's my friend. Here's the person that I've been able to bounce things off of, encouraged me, nurtured me, taught me, fought with me when he thought I was going the wrong way. So that was definitely defining. Again, continued to work in my career, build and climb up the ladder. I reached my last role in corporate America was chief innovation officer for an educational company. And I oversaw the business development and the operations of all of the contracts and partnerships that we had with school districts nationwide, but mainly in New York City. And I loved what I did because I really, I'm a firm supporter and advocate for education and educational services for students that need it and really providing full service support for teachers. And really, I, although I've been doing this and, and had this career that I loved, I knew that there was something more that I wanted to do. I'd been volunteering in a lot of women programming at local colleges and universities, leadership programs. I had, for very selfish reasons, gone and gotten a coaching certification to help me along my life personally. Then all of a sudden, I started speaking in stages, conferences around the country when I got a call in early March of 2020 saying, we have been hit very hard with this pandemic. We've been shut down in most of our programming and we can't afford 
two large executives within the firm and they offered me a separation package. And at that moment, there was a level of grief because I'd been with this company for a while. The founder of the company and I had become friendly when I worked for another company. She had passed away five years ago. And it was difficult to leave the company because I I was committed to her vision and her mission and being there. But at the same time, I knew it was the right thing for me to go and separate when the opportunity was given because I wanted the company to continue. That was really a defining moment because I didn't know what this pandemic thing was. I didn't know where it was going to go. But what I did know is that I had a dream. I also had a vision. I had this dream in my heart that I had someone who believed in me, encouraged me, taught me, and helped me along the way to go after my dreams and my dad. But not everybody has that. And I wanted to be able to provide an environment for others in which if they had a dream, and maybe they have supporting people in their life that encourages them to go after it, or maybe they don't. But I wanted to leverage all of the skills and knowledge and the mistakes that I've made to help others be able to build their dreams and go confidently. And that's how Go Confidently Services was born. And that's where I've been. That's my story in a nutshell. That's fantastic. So I imagine that through a lot of that journey of maybe things not feeling right, things feeling right, that intuition must have played a large role. Mm. I'm curious, what is your relationship with your intuition? You know, my relationship with my intuition is been one of these relationships that I call it the frenemy. I I use this for other things too, because I will tell you that there are so many areas, instances in my life, right? In which I've had that nagging feeling like, "Hmm," you know, right? And I just choose to not listen to it. I'm like, yeah, maybe I don't, I'm wrong. Or I get very stubborn and set in my ways and I decide to push forward. But I would say my intuition is nine times out of 10, pretty right. But we allow ourselves, and for me, I'm not, I, I can't speak for anybody else, but I have allowed myself to be influenced by the what will people think by the, well, I can't do that because I'm not good enough or smart enough or whatever enough and don't listen to the intuition part. And I think that the relationship overall is the one where I rediscover. And as I get older, I find that, girl, you've got me and I've got you and we've got each other. And in the worst case scenario, it's very important that when you connect to yourself, you allow yourself to be okay with the good, the bad, the ugly. And that's a lot of times where we fail to listen to our intuition too, because we have to really be honest and compassionate with ourselves. And sometimes that's where we get lost. We're not willing to either be compassionate to ourselves or we're not willing to be honest about what we can and cannot do. So that relationship keeps evolving and growing, but I've embraced the fact that at the end of the day, in the moments where there's chaos, I can go inside myself and really check in and say, how does that feel? 
What are you feeling? What are you thinking? Is that deviating from what you want for your life, for the values that you have for your life? And that's where many times we're not clear on who we are, what we need and believe and want. And that's also where our intuition comes to be questioned and we become at odds with the intuition. Yeah. So earlier talked about imposter syndrome. We talked about that space of feeling like you wanted a relationship to get married and you were sort of surrounded by that influence when you were younger. How did you, now that you promote confidence, mostly in women, how did you find your confidence? And are you still looking for it? (laughs) I feel like that would be an ongoing thing. You know, so I am your quintessential firstborn. So I have a lot of those traits that a firstborn has. We're pretty extroverted for the most part. Most of us tend to be very extroverted. We tend to be very outspoken, stubborn at times. There's been a lot of times in which I'm like, hey, it's me. And I would say it's more audacity than confidence. (laughs) But when you do the thing, you're like, okay, I'll figure it out. And that's been kind of a lot of the thing for me. I'll never forget in my mid-career, I worked for this national company and we would have a big national conference where everybody would come in from all over the country. And I, I I was finally director or department head and I was asked to do a keynote and it went great. And at the end of the event, not at the end of the, at the event of my talk, everybody's like, Oh, that was great. Oh my gosh. Wow. You name it. The CEO came up to me and said, Oh my God, that's amazing. All right. Ask me for something. And I said, okay. He's like, okay, just ask. I want to do something nice for you. And this is probably 2005, six. I said, I would like a laptop so that I can work from home on some days. And he's like, done. And then I said, and I also would like a raise. I was going to say, I would have asked for a raise. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And he's like, well, how much? And I said, well, I need to think about this. Of course, then I went to my dad. I asked, like, what should I do? You think I should ask, you know, but... As I said it, I remember thinking like, oh my God, what are you doing? (laughs) And that's the thing where sometimes confidence for me has come out in that way. Now, there are other times in which confidence hasn't been there for me at all. And I've done it scared. But I've also relied on my habits. I've relied on the automations that I have because the more that we show up and consistently show up, the more that we can say, oh, okay, I think I can do this. Oh, okay, I can do this. You know, I I talk about the biggest time that I felt lack of confidence. It's when my dad entered hospice and I was there for him. I did not want to be there. I didn't know if I could do it. I didn't know what would happen. And afraid? Yes. Confidence? No. Going forward after he passed, I didn't know how I would make it, but I continued to show up. 
I continued to go out and do the work, even with my business, showing up, go confidently as the brand, but the work comes in the everyday showing up, even when things are not going in the way that you want. And that to me is how I define confidence. I heard one of the big gurus today say, oh, everybody can be confident, just show up and fake it. And I'm thinking, no, we don't always feel it. And I want people to realize that if you're sitting there looking at me and like, oh my God, look at her, how great. It's not because I got it together. It's because I'm choosing to do it despite that I don't feel like I got it together. Yeah. So in your intro, we talked about the clientele that you work with, business owners, women who are trying Mm -hmm. to launch or, or who are just in the midst and maybe need some help. What kind of coaching would would a woman come to you for? I mean, I know I kind of said already to help launch and to help with their current business, but why would somebody turn to Julie when it comes to their business? Yeah, such a good question. You know, I have to say that prior to coming to record with you, I was actually meeting with a few of my clients and they're so different (laughs) in every step of the way. And I love that because the type of woman that comes to me has one thing in common, whether they're trying to build a brick and mortar gym or launch an actual food product, or it is an advocate for patient rights. I have another client who is an attorney working with law firms. I have another one who works with women in self-care. The gamut is there. But the thing that they have in common is that they really feel connected to that dream, and they don't know how to build the bridge between what they want for their life and where they are in their life. And they need help in building it or growing it. For me, I've built businesses before, multi-million businesses for two different big companies. I mean, I took one of our companies expanding into Texas out of New York without knowing anybody. And within a couple of years, we were making in the million dollar marks, multi-million dollars. But that was just because my ability to be able to look at the big picture. And I have to say the first company I worked for really taught me that. I reported to both the CEO of the company because there were a married couple who founded that company. I reported to her who was the COO and to him who was the CEO and chairman of the board, but he was more in the development side. So I learned development. How do you develop a business? How do you do that business acquisition and setting up processes and then going into actually implementing the processes and dealing with the customer day to day out. So I have that background. And that first company was so good at really training all of us executives in sales, marketing, all of that. So I have a very wide array. And by the way, The thing is not that I am an expert at everything, but the one thing that I feel so fortunate is that I value connection and collaboration. I can teach you basics of a lot of this stuff, but you can be sure I have a friend, a colleague, a business partner that will come in and teach it to you even more. My community and my clients are part of this community, the Confident You community, in which we leverage each other as partners to go forward, right? Because in this business, we're solopreneurs and it's lonely, 
we feel we're the only ones struggling or how do you do this? And by the way, when I launched my business for as much great experience as I had, I'm like, what do I do first, second or third? Oh my God, what is a funnel? What is that? Do I need an email? What do I do with that? And these are the things that nobody has like a one, two, three. So the teacher in me has put together three distinct ways in which I can help individuals is the confident you build it when you're just starting out. And we go through and we talk about, do you need an LLC? Are you going to be a solo practitioner? Or how do you collect money? Where do you do this, etc. All the way to someone who maybe has been running their business consistently, but they're not seeing the consistent income from month to month. So this is where I can come in and just really find point like, okay, your offers need refining, or this is not working, or you need this tech and really be able to work with them individually to tailor make a solution for them so that they can create that consistent action that will give them traction. And last but not least, the women that maybe are doing well, but yet they're scared to expand to the next thing. I have a client actually that is running her business successfully for a long time and now she needs help with an exit strategy. Guess what? We can do that because in 10 years, she wants to sell her business. So everything needs to be put together now and she needs a partner, a friend and a colleague and a coach that can help her go through that. And some of the training that I have, it's not just about being the business coach, but a tiny habits coach, a cognitive behavioral techniques coach, I can help you really use some of the mindset that it takes for you to do the work. Because anybody can teach you, use this, do this, show up like this. But when it's your mindset that you really have to also do the work through. Wow. Okay, so that's that's incredible. And I would say very invaluable to not only have the certifications and the ability to help with the mindset, but just even the practical, like you were mentioning. I'm a registered nurse by occupation. So starting this work of putting myself out there more with whatever services that I offer, like healing readings, I'm like, a website? I need a website? Uh, Emails? You know, it's just so everything that you mentioned, I was like, yep, I kind of had to learn that on my own. And anyway, so I'm like, sold all... (laughs) That sounds amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. We don't have to do it alone, Laura. And that's the thing that we sometimes think we have to. We question like, is that the way to do it? Should I be doing this first, second, or third? Yeah. Yeah. Part of it too, though, at least from my own personal experience, is that there's almost so many resources out there online and in social media Mm -hmm. that it's overwhelming. Which coach do I work with? How do I even know what I need? So I know from my perspective, it feels lonely because I feel like I'm having to figure out even who to go for for help. (laughs) You're not alone. I was not alone in feeling like that as well. And this is why for me, it's not that Julie is the best, but Julie is understanding enough to know that it takes a village. The other thing too that And I have to say, this is going to be a little controversial, but the thing is, number one, we hear all about the entrepreneurs that are like, oh my God, make seven figures if you take my course or look at to where I am. Hey, by the way, I'm not making seven figures, but I'm making enough that I've made 
progressive shifts and change. And I had to really, again, like you would in a large company, decide what is my first goal? What is doable? And then creating the infrastructure for that. I heard this phrase is not mine and I forgot. I really wish I could give them credit, but the aspirational entrepreneur who is like, Oh, take my course and you're going to, and that's great. But when someone has to juggle kids, I cannot afford to get an assistant and I don't understand how email works. And you're telling me I should build a course because I'm taking your course. But a lot of people, People don't understand that you have to have an audience that is going to buy your course. Just because you have great content on a course doesn't mean that when you finish it and put it out there, people are going to buy it for $2,000. It's not going to happen unless you have a very big audience. If you're coming in already with a built-in audience, then that can be very different. But the reality is that out of 100 people that see your stuff, only 3% are ready to buy right away. And this is the thing where we don't understand those numbers. The other thing, too, is like we say, okay, I want to make $100,000 a year. And then you start making money and you're like, oh, go me, go me. I'm making the money. The reality is like, how much are you putting aside for your taxes? How much are you putting aside for your expenses? $100,000, if you're paying expenses, that's not what your take home is. Those are the things that many entrepreneurs don't really realize. And not to poo-poo on anybody's dream, because ultimately, trust me, I'm a dreamer. But I want you to do it in a way that is responsible, that is doable, and that is a 1% increment getting better and better. And you will feel confident about what you're doing because you're not doing it alone and you're doing it in a way that you're seeing the growth and you're benefiting not only from the things that I can say, hey, this is the mistake I made there. Here's another person that is doing it and really this is their jam and they'll teach you. That's the other piece of it. I think when you're looking for a coach, find out what they're doing, find out what their mistakes are. If they're not talking about their mistakes, I'm a little wary of that. And there are some big entrepreneurs that are big gurus that do talk about their mistakes. And I love that. But you're not going to just by launching the thing, get to where they are right away. You have to really substantially grow incrementally and have very clear goals that then you create a daily action plan to get there. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's really important, like you said, to have that realistic view, because I think if not, then people get frustrated and they probably just yeah. abandon ship. That's right. <laughs> it's like, oh, three years in, most entrepreneurs give up and go away. And the thing is that you can start to make money, but you also have to know that if this is your goal, you're heading from point A to point B. If you're not getting to point B and you look around like everybody's at point B and I'm not there yet. A lot of entrepreneurs shift and start, Oh, you know what? This course is not the way to go. I'm going to take that course instead. You don't give enough time for that process to actually take hold. You cannot be shifting. And there's that attention deficit of, oh, shiny, because we think this is not working. I'm going to try that strategy. Oh, that's not where I'm going to take that course. So that's the other thing that really hurts entrepreneurs, and especially us women who are juggling a lot of different things. Another thing too that I have found is the investment, like the financial investment. It's sort of a catch-22 when you are 
looking to do, whether it's a side thing or your full-time thing to make money, but it can require money <laughs> to get there. So that's a bit of a catch-22 that I know I myself yeah. have ran into and I'm sure others as well. I ran into that and I will tell you, I will not forget the first month of my business. It was middle of COVID. My husband was home with me and he's all gone ho and helping me very supportive. And mind you, again, come with experience, right? The one big mistake I did is I focused for the first month of my business and I need a logo. And I was like spending my days like, oh, what do you think about this? Oh, this is like really love this little scripty thing. And I'm like, let's get a logo so we can get a website. I don't need a website or a logo to get a client. I needed to be able to speak to people and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Maybe you don't need me, but who do you know that may need someone like me? And putting yourself out there and then starting to build an email list. And these little things, yes, did I need to invest in some things? Of course, but I didn't need to invest in everything that we think we need to. And this is when you need a coach that can say, okay, hold your horses, right? (laughs) This is what you honestly need. But first of all, I remember the first time someone wanted to hire me and I'm like, oh, how do I collect money? I don't know. I don't have that. Right. And that's why I build (laughs) the company. You build it because like a building, you have to have foundation and you have to figure out what your walls are going to be. And then you have to Mm -hmm. insulate that. And then you can maybe build from there. And it's really that analogy of making sure that you're not trying to put a roof on something that has no foundation. Hmm. That's a very good point. I wanted to take this conversation. I'm going to change it up a little bit. I wanted to talk about your dad. Go for it. (laughs) Now, your dad in the physical was a mentor, probably your biggest cheerleader, your biggest support. Do you still work with him, even though he's on the other side? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I believe my dad is still here. I talk to him most every day, honestly. And there are times in which I'm like, oh my gosh, dad, what do you think of this? It's interesting how I get little messages from him. We are both big diehard Yankee fans. I remember there was a big goal that I was going for and I just called him crying. I'm like, oh my God, I'm never going to make it. I can't believe this. It's like a failure. And he's like, honey, think of the babe. Look at how many strikeouts did he have to have in order to have the home runs. You have to have those failures. I was in the middle of something. I was actually opening up my group coaching program. I've not spoken to enough people, right? Because it's it's really a numbers game in an essence. And I'm like, wow, I'm not going to make it. Maybe nobody wants me. Nobody, maybe this sucks. I don't know. And all of a sudden, I remember I got a text. I went to my phone and you know how we distract ourselves. I'm like, fine. I looked at the text. I went to put the phone away. I'm like, oh, you know what? Oh, let's look Mm -hmm. at my time hop. Wouldn't you know that the picture on my time hop is a picture that I had taken for a vision board that after my dad told me about that story with the babe, I had taken a picture of Babe Ruth so that I can put on my vision board to remind me. And I thought, thanks, dad. I needed that. It was like the kind of thing where you have to be able to see these moments. You know, when, when my dad was in the hospital and I knew these were the last conversations we were having and it really was no 
I would never trade for the world the time that we spent together. And it was the most difficult time. But I remember like, he's like, you know, honey, I don't know what's out there. And we grew up Catholic. He had a very strong faith, but at the same time, he believed that there was more. And he's like, do you think, you know, in the stars and the moon and like when, when I see the full moon, I think of my dad because we would talk about the space and the stars out there. And he's like, you know, the moon is sort of this incredible place where is reflecting the light of something greater, but still shines beautifully. And things like that always remind me. So yes, I do believe my dad is here. And at times I think, oh my God, what would he say? <laughs> And there's messages here and there that will always remind me of that. That's fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing that. No, thank you for asking. Yeah, of course. So to help wrap up our interview, I was wondering what advice would the Julie of today give the Julie from her past? Oh, my gosh. The biggest advice that I would say to her is... It's a mixed advice because, well, first of all, I know that she probably would roll her eyes at me. So it's okay that I'm giving it to her because she'd probably like, I don't think so, lady. You're old. What do you know? But I would say to her, you know, Julie, you are enough. And I think that this is exactly the journey that I've been on in the last three years, not just building a business, but really rebuilding my spirit from things that cause trauma in my life. And one of those things has been uh, one of my go-to behaviors has been really wrapping myself in what Brene Brown calls that shame shawl, you know, and the Julie of today would say, you are enough. You have nothing to be ashamed for mistakes or for feeling that you're not enough because you are. Again, Julie of yesterday would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. This doesn't mean anything, but I would like to believe that in the back of my mind, I would say, hmm, maybe she was right. Maybe she was right. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Well, thank you so much, yeah. Julie, for your time and for sharing your wisdom mm -hmm. and sharing some of your moments thank with your you. dad with us. I really appreciate you. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for this platform thank for you. individuals like me to just come and share a conversation with you. I love the work that you do. I oh, love thanks. your journey. Thank you. I'm so glad we were put together. Yes. <laughs> in this beautiful <laughs> friendship. And what I love is that people come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And I believe that whatever it may be, it is up to us to make the best of what we have right now. 100%. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you again, Laura. You're amazing. Thank you. So are you. <laughs> Thank you. And that was another episode of A Guided Life Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, love and light always. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, 
And on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.